0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: In Isaiah you have the nature and character of God. The view of God in the book of Isaiah is more complete and profound than in any other single book of the Bible. God is absolutely transcendent. There is no other being in the universe like Him. He is utterly without comparison. He is the Holy One of Israel. This is Isaiah's signature reference to God.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian begins his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins this series with his teaching on Isaiah chapters 1 through 2. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: All right, so here we go. We're going to talk first of all about the prophets because Isaiah is the beginning of the prophets. Now, believe it or not, the word prophet, the Hebrew word, it's a little bit ambiguous. There's not absolute agreement on what the Hebrew word means, but most think that it means to announce And and of course, that sounds pretty good because that's what prophets do. They announce things. They announce God's word. But prophets were also called seers. And they were called seers because they could envision or see things that other people couldn't. God gave them the ability to do that. They could see into the invisible realm. And I think one good illustration of that would be in the time of Elisha, when he and his servant were in the city of Dotham, and the Syrian army had surrounded them, and Elisha's servant thought, you know, we're dead. These guys are going to wipe us out. And Elisha said, don't worry, because there are more with us than with them. And The servant of Elisha, he's like, well, what are you talking about? I don't see anybody else. And and Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. And when God opened the eyes of the servant of Elisha, he could see that the Syrian army was actually surrounded by an angelic army. So that's what it meant to be a seer. But not only that, but it also meant that they could see the future. That God would give the prophets the ability to see into the future. So prophets, it's important to understand this, I think. Prophets existed well before the careers of the writing prophets. So when we're talking about the prophets, we're talking about these writings that begin with Isaiah and end with Malachi. But These are just really the writing prophets. There are other prophets. There are actually many in scripture who are referred to as prophets. I'll just run through a really brief, quick list. Abraham is called a prophet. Now, Abraham never wrote out any prophecies like Isaiah did, but Abraham was a prophet. In Abraham's case, his life in many ways was the prophecy. And that's another way that God would Would speak to the prophets. He would speak through not just their words. He would sometimes speak through their their life or their circumstances. Abraham was a prophet. Moses was a prophet. Moses, of course, wrote as a prophet. Deborah was a prophet or prophetess, if you prefer to refer to her that way. Samuel, of course, was a prophet. Nathan was a prophet during the time of David. Elijah was a prophet. Elisha was a prophet, but they never wrote any prophecies out. There's a prophet called Micaiah. And then there's another prophetess named Huldah that we read about. And there are several others in scripture who are referred to as prophets, but they're not writing prophets. So the first writing prophets appeared in the 8th century. The 8th century would be in the 700s. BC. And these books came about during the decline of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah and the rise of Assyria as a world power. Isaiah prophesied during this time. Now, it's also important to note this, that the prophets were not the regular teachers of God's law. You see, prophets were They were people who came onto the scene for a specific proclamation. Now, the regular teachers of the law were the priest. But what would happen is because the priest failed in their obligation, God would raise up prophets who would then come to turn the hearts of the people back to himself and oftentimes the prophets would come as a rebuke to the priest they would oftentimes in their correction and rebuke include the priest for their failure to fulfill their obligation to teach the people now the prophetic books include most of the old testament's greatest themes so of course the old testament is it's larger than just these prophets But the themes of the Old Testament are there within the prophets as well. So they're preserving in written form for future generations, they're preserving the reasons Israel's history happened as it did. So they're giving the backstory. You know, the question is, well, why was Israel judged? How come God didn't keep his promise? Well, the prophets are the ones who tell us why those things happen the way they did. Though the authors wrote in different times and under different circumstances, their messages are in theological harmony with one another and with other types of biblical literature. So we're going to find as we go through the prophets that their circumstances are often quite different. The time, frame for their writing is quite different. So if Isaiah's writing in the 8th century, then we have about three to 400 years by the time we come to the last prophet. So there's a long period of time, and sometimes there's a different geographical context for the writing as well, particularly with Daniel, who writes from Babylon, as well as Ezekiel, who writes from Babylon. So the thread that runs through all the prophets is the redemption of Israel and the nations and the promise of a new world filled with righteousness and peace. That's the the consistent thread that you find in each of the prophets. And so the prophets finally are made up of major and minor prophets. So maybe you've heard, the prophets referred to in that way before. The major prophets are four, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then the other 12 are referred to as the minor prophets. Now, they're not major and minor because the major are more important than the minor. It is strictly based on the length of their prophecy. So the major prophets had the longest scrolls Because remember, these were originally written on scrolls. So Isaiah translates into 66 chapters. Jeremiah is, I think, 52 chapters. Ezekiel is 48 chapters. And so you can see the length is what determines major or minor prophets. And so that's just the background for the prophets in general. But now let's, let's come to Isaiah. So the book of Isaiah is a masterpiece. It is such an amazing book. Now, you know that as we read our Bibles and as we study our Bibles, we generally don't think about things like the literary aspects of it and things like that. You know, we're just looking for the message and how to apply it. But there is another dimension to it as well that scholars, you know, busy themselves with. And, you know, it's very interesting. Sometimes it's helpful to some degree, but it's it's quite fascinating, really. And when you look at Isaiah, it really is a masterpiece from at least two perspectives— It is a literary masterpiece. I mean, it's really amazing in that regard. It's a literary masterpiece in its stirring poetic cadence and its gripping imagery. So, you know, when you read through Isaiah, now remember, this is written in Hebrew. And so, of course, in Hebrew, if you read Hebrew, if you understand Hebrew, if you come from that world, then these things, you're gonna pick up on these things a lot easier than we do. But even in the translations into English, we get that cadence. We get that poetic element. And of course, we see that imagery in Isaiah. It's amazing, it's fascinating. We'll see it as we go through. Secondly, it is a theological masterpiece. Some have said that, that Isaiah is the greatest of theology in all of the Bible. And it's a theological masterpiece because it manages to contain in its 66 chapters, virtually the whole of biblical theology. So all of biblical theology is, is here in Isaiah from God's transcendence, and that's a big thing in Isaiah. We're going to learn a lot about the transcendence of God. Transcendence meaning that, that God is beyond us, that he's above us, that he transcends time and space and those kinds of things. So from God's transcendence through creation and redemption to the final destiny of the cosmos. Isaiah, at the very end of his prophecy, says there's a new heaven and a new earth. That's not just reserved for the book of Revelation. So the time frame for Isaiah's writing. Isaiah prophesied from the death of Uzziah, and we'll come to that in, when we get to the sixth chapter. That seems like when his prophetic ministry began, and that was in about 739 B.C., And he prophesied, nobody knows exactly when his ministry ended, but he could have prophesied all the way to the death of Sennacherib, the Assyrian monarch, in 681, which would give him a a ministry period of almost 60 years. And that is a possibility. Some would look at it and say, no, it's probably more like 40 years. Nobody really knows for sure. But it was... A good long period of time that Isaiah prophesied. Now, I want us to just look for a second at the theme and theology of Isaiah. So, what is the theme? Well, there's not really just one theme, there's a number of themes, but the nature and character of God would be a theme of Isaiah. Again, we learn so much about God. You know, we often think, that God as Creator is pretty much declared in Genesis, the first two chapters, and then you know maybe a little bit of a mention here or there in some other places. Uh, but Isaiah is one of the books where you find so many references to God as the Creator and descriptions of His. Creative power. So in Isaiah, you have the nature and character of God. The view of God in the book of Isaiah is more complete and profound than in any other single book of the Bible. God is absolutely transcendent. There is no other being in the universe like him. He is utterly without comparison. He is the Holy One of Israel. This is Isaiah's, this is his sort of signature reference to God. He, more than anyone else, I think some close to like 25 times, Isaiah refers to the Lord as the Holy One of Israel. In all of the rest of the Old Testament, all of the references don't compare in number to Isaiah. So this is the way Isaiah views and expresses his understanding of the Lord as the Holy One of Israel. The nature of salvation is Revealed in the book of Isaiah. Salvation in in Isaiah is to believe and trust in Yahweh. That's the emphasis throughout Isaiah believe and trust in Yahweh. As a matter of fact, the great prophecy of the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 28 talks about God laying in Zion a stone, a precious stone. And those who believe will never be put to shame. And so the emphasis in Isaiah is on faith, in trusting in Yahweh. And then, and perhaps most importantly, Isaiah is the prophet of the Messiah. This is Isaiah's greatest claim to fame, in a sense. He is the prophet of the Messiah. Now, of course, other prophets referred to the to the messiah, uh, Daniel notably, Zechariah and the other prophets to some extent as well. But Isaiah is the prophet of the messiah. And in Isaiah you have prophecies beginning with the prophecy about the child that is born and the son that is given who will sit upon the throne of David. In Isaiah you have the prophecy concerning the one who is wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. In Isaiah, you have the prophecy concerning the one whom the Spirit of the Lord has anointed to bring good news to the poor and healing to the brokenhearted. In Isaiah, you have the prophecy that the root of Jesse would be the one to whom the nations would look for guidance and whose resting place would be glorious. Isaiah prophesies the Messiah's birth, death, resurrection, and universal reign. Isaiah is the most quoted of the prophets by the New Testament writers. So Isaiah is the prophet of the Messiah. And then finally, Isaiah is hard to track with chronologically. And the reason for that is probably because it's not intended to be tracked with chronologically. And Ray Ortland Jr. in his commentary on Isaiah, he said this, and I think it's helpful for us to understand just kind of the big picture of what we're looking at with Isaiah. He said this, the book is an anthology of Isaiah's lifetime of prophetic work. He preached many sermons and made declarations for God on many occasions. What we have in this book is an edited collection of his whole career. Toward the end of his life, Isaiah gathered his papers and notes and memories together and wove them into one coherent presentation. So the unfolding sections of this book come from who knows how many different occasions. And not always in chronological order, but they all unite as one compelling new way of seeing everything. So not saying that there is no chronological order, but if you try to get a straight chronology from chapter one to chapter 66, you will be frustrated because it's not there. So that is the background to Isaiah. And so now we're gonna jump into the text itself and it begins with these words the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amoz saw during the reigns of kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah of Judah like many of the prophets we're given very little personal information about their lineage, about their family connections, and things like that. So here we're told that Isaiah is the son of Amos, and nobody really knows exactly who Amos was. Some say that uh, Amos was the the king's brother, and so that Isaiah was perhaps the nephew of uh, the king, Uzziah, who was also called Amaziah. There's some, maybe some hints at that in some of the ancient Jewish writings, but there's no certainty about that. But Isaiah is given, he says here, a vision, and the vision concerns Judah and Jerusalem. And it happens during the reign of these four kings. So we're going to see that his ministry actually begins with the death of Uzziah. Apparently, there was maybe some brief time before Uzziah's death that that Isaiah perhaps prophesied. The death of Uzziah is recorded in the sixth chapter here. So whether the stuff in the first five chapters is stuff that he received before or after, we don't know. But during the reigns of these four kings, Uzziah was a fairly righteous king, although he was the one who transgressed by going into, trying to go into the temple and he was stricken with leprosy. Jotham was not following in, in a good way the steps of his father Uzziah. Ahaz was a completely wicked king and then Hezekiah was a righteous king. So Isaiah ministers during this time. So here it goes. Listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's feeding trough. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. So the first thing he says is basically the ox and the donkey have more intelligence than my people. That's really what he's saying. Because they know their master. But my people, they do not know or understand me. O sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, depraved children. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. There it is. They have turned their backs on him why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? The whole head is hurt. The whole heart is sick. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, no spot is uninjured. Wounds, welts, and festering sores, not cleansed, bandaged, or soothed with oil. Your land is desolate. Your cities burn down. Foreigners devour your fields. Right in front of you, a desolation like a Place demolished by foreigners, daughter Zion is abandoned and like a shelter in a vineyard, like a shack in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of armies had not left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom. We would resemble Gomorrah. Now, these words of Isaiah right here are prophetic, because at the point of Isaiah's ministry, as as his ministry's beginning, he's ministering in the time of Uzziah, or just the aftermath of Uzziah, and none of this had taken place yet. Uzziah was the, he reigned the longest, and he was one of the most prosperous kings. So the nation at the time that Isaiah begins his prophecy is a very prosperous nation but decline has already set in. And so Isaiah is talking about things that haven't yet happened, but will happen if the people refuse to turn back to the Lord. Now, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now this, of course, is highly offensive language here. Sodom and Gomorrah did not have a good reputation, right? And what does everybody know about Sodom and Gomorrah? God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah.
0: the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Jesus History by Dr. John Dixon. Living in an age of science and empirical evidence, how can people still believe in miracles? How can someone believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? The resurrection of Jesus is essential for the Christian faith. If Jesus never rose from the dead, then an offer for eternal life does not carry any authority. So, is there any historical evidence that can be examined to test the authenticity of such a claim? Dr. John Dixon addresses this very question and examines the ancient evidence as a trained historian. He explains the evidence simply and clearly, so you'll be able to consider the evidence for yourself. If you've ever wondered if there's any historical evidence for the existence of Jesus and his resurrection, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book is Jesus History by Dr. John Dixon is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you